Good evening. You know what that growl indicates, and if you're new to the podcast, and maybe you don't, but that pod, that growl indicates that it is a it is time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you doing? I'm doing okay today. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All right, let's get right into it. We got the breaking news here. It really is breaking news. We don't really do things like this on a podcast. It's about dollars and cents. A weekly thing here, but dollars last and cents. few minutes within the hour. Doc, I believe you have the article with more information that you can give details. But uh, some reports state that the Los Angeles Clippers have been sold. The Los Angeles Clippers were sold by the Family Trust that reached a binding agreement with Steve Ballmer, formerly of Microsoft, for, <coughs> let me clear my throat and say this, $2 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Alone. That's a lot. Yes. Alone. No Not, partner. Uh, yeah. No, no partner. No partners. <laughs> he got this done by himself. Thoughts? Oh, I think this is really, really it really gets interesting because there's several things that are in play here that you must consider. From the first fact, everything sounds good from the standpoint that uh, that they had blind bids, is my understanding. Uh, they put out the information of what bids were out there. Steve Ballmer's $2 billion bid that you just spoke about for the Los Angeles Clippers. He was the Microsoft uh, chief executive officer uh, during the time, obviously. Oh, he was the chief executive, I should say, um, worth about $20 billion. Remember, he bid for uh, another team recently um, as he was looking at maybe relocating Sacramento Kings to Seattle, uh, back where he's based uh, from. So he puts it out there, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, owner and things of that nature, but the other one was David Giffen that put up a bid of 1.6 billion. Um, you had LA investor Tony Ressler uh, and Steve Karsh who put up 1.2 billion. And you might have some other bids that were out there blindly bid as well. Uh, this is significant because the last sale with the Milwaukee Bucks were 550 million. Uh, many people said that they thought they got a steal when they bought that team. If you look at what's going on here. What the Dodgers went for, you probably right, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, sounds crazy that $550 million would be a steal. But what's interesting from this standpoint is something that the Sterlings did in terms of Shelly, uh, particularly on her side, getting what she proclaims was the right to sell this team early, allowed them to get in bids prior to the June 3rd deadline when the um, – Board of Governors for the NBA were going to vote on this issue. Now, we, what's intriguing here is because of the way they did it, now you have bids on the table. Now, the question becomes now is, right, remember, no deal is good until the Board of Governors approve it. Correct. So the question becomes, will the NBA want to approve this deal or are they going to want to move forward as uh, the commissioner said he wanted to do in terms of revocation of the team, and if you revocate the team, theoretically, they don't have the right to sell the team, put up the bid. Now, if you do it that way, you still have a threshold with the NBA must meet uh, before you will. I think they have some serious legal uh, opportunities. In other cases, I don't think they really have much legal issues. They can fight it, but I think they lose. Uh, but if you can show that you truly had a bid on $2 billion, then the NBA wants to sell a team and they want to sell it maybe to certain owners uh, per se and they only get 
let's say $1.6 billion. You're talking about a net loss of $400 million. $400 million, million mm -hmm. excuse me. And so there's some serious, serious legal ramifications there. But I, I know that the commissioner, in my opinion, is trying to make a statement. So this is where it really gets interesting uh, from a true legal component. Then, to add further complication, uh, Donald Sterling's lawyer is saying that even if this is all true, that the deal can't go through until he signs off on it. Now, there's questions. What does that mean? Does he have some second level of sign off? Because obviously, last week it was reported that he actually signed off on the rights for his wife to sell the team. So, did somehow in that deal, was he still supposed to get some final sign off approval? And what does that mean? Or what does the lawyer speak here? And so, to me, more than what everybody else was talking about early until, in terms of Donald Sterling fighting for this, which I think, uh, at the end of the day, I really didn't think he was serious. I think he was just trying to put all this to the table. And I really thought he was trying to stall and not give the chance for the board, the governors, to, to necessarily vote so they could do some of the stuff that they're doing now. So I think that's when it really starts to get interesting from my viewpoint when you start looking at the ramifications of what just took place, uh, no matter how true it is, if the monetary amount is somewhat true, it really gets intriguing because now you have a face on the table of what the team is worth based on what somebody is willing to put on the table. But now, with those other bids being below that, does a white knight come in with numbers above what's being put out on the on the table right now as, as a supposedly signed agreement? That's the only way that you would um, be able to for the NBA. In my opinion, that's the only way the NBA would be able to uh, not really be sued from the fashion is that if they go forward with the vote on June 3rd and say that they get the 75%, theoretically, um, they still have the right to decide one way or the other whether they're going to accept this a bid. And by doing that vote, I would suggest that they're not going to accept the bid. Well, if they don't accept the bid, then that means whatever bid they do get for the Clippers, from a law perspective, I would suggest that that bid would have to be at least $2 billion or above. And let me say this, and I agree with that. Um, oh, this is fun. I'm, I'm enjoying this right now. It's kind of like we should be on TV. Um, <laughs> Talking about at dollars, a serious dollars. television roundtable as we are right here in the office. But... Ken Berger of uh, CBS Sports, NBA beat writer, fantastic writer, very well connected in the uh, NBA. Uh, follow him on Twitter, and I had no problem giving him missing his uh, Twitter handle. It's Kberg, B E R G, CBS. He's an outstanding uh, guy. Has already posted an article on CBSSports.com that the winning bid by Steve Ballmer could postpone a vote. Scheduled for Tuesday, um, a league source has told him already. It makes sense. So, uh, you know, and I agree with you because if they go ahead and vote, then it would seem to indicate that they're going to decline or not approve Bomber's bid and they would, it would look, it would look kind of bad legally if a bid they accept is not $2 billion. Correct. 
So for all for all people involved all around, except for Sterling, Donald Sterling, I think they should the NBA, the Board of Governors should accept this bid and just wash their hands and just move forward and and you know, let the Sterlings pay their capital gains tax or whatever. However, I think Donald Sterling will try to fight it as long as he can unless there's serious handwritten proof that he signed off, literally signed off on the paperwork to like Well, wife, to me, that's the only way, the uh, Chris, team. you make an excellent point. The only way that the NBA would even consider Holden's office, they would have to have um, uh, significant proof that they know Donald Sterling has signed off on this. And even if he, if they have that, then the fight is really, they can, he can, you know, you can sue anybody in the country. Right. So you can put the NBA name on it, but they would be very assured that if Donald Sterling sued somebody, he'd have to basically sue his wife. Right. To say that the signature she got was illegal or, uh, or was misappropriated, misleading or something like that. That is the only way that the NBA is going to hold off. And so even with the report that they are suggesting they hold off, they feel comfortable that the bid that took place was done in a legitimate fashion and all they want to do is go through whatever general um, research and background check they generally do for the sale of a team. And why I say this, is not really the background check on the guy because they already have that information because he was in a bidding process. So Which, this becomes he's short. already been vetted. He's That's been vetted. So that part is, all they're doing is making sure that the legal part of the paperwork in terms of signage has went through. That's the only thing they're going to vet. They're not going to really vet this guy more than what they had. I mean, they might do some curry cursory review, but they're comfortable uh, from what he does. That's all so if, if they're going to hold off on this vote, to me, it's suggesting that they're seriously looking at moving forward on this bid process. Now, we'll be curious to find out if any provision of this sale includes Shelly Sterling maintaining any percentage of the Clippers. If it does, all bets off. Exactly. That would be the only way? No, because the NBA players, they said that she cannot own any part of the team. So, she owns part of the team. This, the bid could be, if, if, if she doesn't own the team, if she owns part of this bid process, for the league, essentially, the bid could be worth a dollar for that. Because they've already made it clear. Unless they change their mind, and I don't think... Because now you got to be careful, because now you also have the fact that commissioner's leadership is on the table, too. So he's moving forward. So this becomes a leadership decision in terms of who controls the NBA. Now, while the owners control it from a platform, he controls it from a governorship. And so when he makes decisions, to back off all your decisions is something that anybody in that type of leadership position does not want to do. So he's going to have to have significant proof because he's already has it on the table and has put out letters to the mass media that the only way that a sale of this team would possibly stop what they were moving forward is if it was a total sell of the team. And that's why I would say I could see them looking through this oh, yeah. paperwork to try to verify that that's the case. If that's the case, I can see them saying, all right, you know, you've totally divested yourself 
in the team. I can see a lot of owners saying that there's no need for us to vote. So I can see that his percentage of the vote and where the commissioner would have to back down because he probably wouldn't necessarily get that 75%. Because a lot of owners going to say, hey, everything that we wanted to be done is done. Both teams are truly divested themselves. As you said earlier when we started this, that's $2 billion. The owners are going to love to get a piece of that. Yep. Um, so if those issues are on the table, and that's why I said now it really gets interesting. Oh, yeah. Because really all we can do is kind of speculate. Even the people that are giving reports, for the most part, they may have some very good sources. And they could be wrong. they see. As I've learned. Is that, yeah, they could be wrong. So, and, and that's why I put it up. They have sources. But until you've really seen the paperwork of what's legally uh, in this agreement, uh, we're kind of in a holding pattern. But this is where I suggest that the real fun begins. All that other litigation stuff I thought was, you know, kind of pouring the drink, if you would. This is where we're starting to really stir it. This is when it gets good. And this is fun. And, and I don't know if you still want to get into it, Doc, but I was kind of hoping that, because uh, Wildcat asked earlier in the week via Twitter, if I thought that Shelley could sell the team quickly before June 3rd, the meeting, Board of Governors meeting. And, oh, yeah. that, and at that time, I wasn't sure about it, if she could, because I wasn't sure if she'd agreed to no percent of the team. And other things about, I'm gonna tell you it would why. take guys being I'm vetted a, and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you, why, vetted, and I'm gonna tell you why she could sell the team pretty easy. Because you have some people that really understand the value of a franchise. And you have people outside with that money. And the reason why it would be easier for them to sell the team, they could literally do what he did. He understood. Vaughn was very smart and strategic in this. He purposely bid that high. Because he knew with a bid that high, it did two things. It threw everybody off the game that he was bidding against. It forces the NBA and the ownership to pause. And it really puts him at the forefront. Because the NBA could did a bid process where it necessarily wasn't a blind bid. They could have put bids on the table and then bid basically and selected who they wanted based on the bid process. So they could have took, for example, they could have took the $1.6 million, million dollar bid because they thought that person would have been a better owner. They wouldn't necessarily have to take the highest owner. Gotcha. But with this information out now, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Now, Steve has put himself squarely in the middle of this where he's pretty much going to win one way or the other. other. Because if he does not, if the league says no, votes vote against him, then goes to the lower bid, then he could probably sue. Could he not? Could he sue? Yeah, he would have. He would have, have a hell of a case. He would have a hell of a case. Because I wanted to get in to talk about the 32-page response that Sterling's lawyer put out earlier in the week to the NBA's chart against him and how... It was filled with legalese, but just the parts of it. The man, the document, and it's on my Houston Rumble View Men's Who's blog if you want to check it out. The document just reeks of lover this, lover's quarrel, that, lover's goal, private argue, a private conversation between two lovers. And you remember the first thing I told you that there are already statements out there that this was not a a recording that was done by her privately. Right. So the first thing before he, even if he tried to make that the case, the first thing that the NBA would say is that you have to prove to us that that was the case. 
So I think we're going to take a pause for from the Sterling saga until more information breaks out. But it's been a good run. Gentlemen, oh, yes. He, folks he find gave you something on, every, every day. He gave, gave you something to talk about. folks find you on Twitter, Doc. Yes, they can find me Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. If you want to get some of the latest information that's out there when it comes out on um, sport management and business side of issues like this, also in terms of cultural awareness issues, uh, both from HBCU or the Africana diaspora, uh, I welcome you following me because I put that kind of information on the table all the time. Uh, there was a fabulous article uh, in regards to reparations uh, that was uh, intriguing as well that I put out there that is a must-read from anybody that really wants to look at the United States from a historical uh, perspective in terms of how people live in this country. Very intriguing. Wildcat? You can find me online in the social media atmosphere, TweetDeck, Twitter, YouTube, and Blogger, AKSV, the CSR, the College Post Report. And on Twitter, I am JL Woodley1. And he has retweeted his behind off during his podcast. Listeners, I'm telling you, he's just tweet, retweeting all over the place. So if you hear him, if you don't hear him for a while, that's because he's, he's on Twitter. Wildcat is in love with the new technology. He, he, he's having I'm, a good I'm time. I'm getting better at it. He's, I'm getting better at it. I've had yet. time. I so, had yeah. time to get the, 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 the kind of like grasp what's going on. You go to work. Huh? Yeah. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website, T-H-E-H-R-R.com. That's the H-R-R or the H-R, depending on what part of the country you're from. How you pronounce it, the or the. I've heard it both ways. For the easy folks, it's just HoustonRoundBarView.com as well. Whichever you prefer, I got you covered right there. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review, The H-R Review, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. I haven't missed this often enough in previous podcasts, but it has not changed. We are looking for sponsors of these podcasts. We're getting better and better, providing you with information you really don't hear anywhere else in our format. Now delivery. So if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, the reason prices are reasonable. Reach us on all those Twitter ha- uh, handles that we all have, email us, etc. We all have ways that you can contact us. Uh, so keep that in mind. I'll mention that more and more uh, in the future about sponsoring the podcast. I've talked to my coworker, and we're gonna. I'll take care of his interview regarding the World Cup. We're gonna take on the World Cup next week. Have that for you. Then we'll that get Doc. Like that's supposed to get. Real interesting. Have Doc and uh, Wildcat and, and my my small input on the World Cup, especially from the U.S. men's national team side with Nolan and Donovan on on the uh, roster. We talk about that. If you have any insight, knows. I thought that was the right move. Uh, most people do. Most people who know you the know, sport know, and, agree. And you know what? He coach mentioned something that nobody has. Kind of like it's kind of like went over everybody's head. Too many guys were sitting around waiting on him to make a move and not stepping up, not growing. He needs this group to grow. And probably the best thing that he needed to do was say, Landon, not this time. And I, and, and, I totally agree with you. I agree. You know, that, because if they're going to stand around and watch him, if he has a bad game, 
Plus, a lot of it is just from also the fact that he was not in shape to the level that he has been when he for was a grueling month. And he folks, was playing at the level he played his best at, and when you go in the World Cup, you have to be playing at that level. So you add those two dichotomies you talked about. It was easy to see that this was on its way. And four so games a day. I think people that really pay attention to it. Four games a day, and you're playing every other day pretty much until the, the uh, semis, right? Round, yep. And I'm going to tell you, 90 minutes, that's a grueling 90 minutes. Especially in that, in that, in that atmosphere, in that weather, when, that, when it gets hot and humid and you're out there for a while, we've all seen referees pass out. It, it, World Cup is something totally different. I mean, you give everything you got, but they sitting in those blowing shades and all those, uh, 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 the little hoods and all that they use to keep them guys chill out. They need those for a reason. They need those for a reason. And this team, if they get out of there, if they win their pool with the group that's out there now, I'll be happy. I would. Because I understand where it's, it's, I agree I, with you. Because I mean, of where they've, uh, yeah, it's be hard that, that pool is pretty hard. Yeah, there's no they, they, they don't have an easy, uh, an First easy round. They just won against Ghana. You know what? They may lose it then. What did I say? I said the first match was the easiest one. They, I, didn't, uh, I didn't say they'd win it. I said that was the easiest one of the three. And he's right. That's true. And so uh, uh, we might have to look at adding to our, our tag name in terms of locally based, nationally respected, internationally renowned. This is <laughs> something, you know, could be. Because I remember. Because this is the overtime oh, yeah. of your favorite sport. Oh, yes. We're giving it to y'all. Yeah. I also wanted to bring one more table as we move because we're going to come back to soccer in terms of the next broadcast. But something local was done today that I think... Uh, yeah, go uh, with that, Doug. I was going to gonna bring that up. Before we move a little outside of that is um, Civil Rights Game, uh, host by the Houston Rockets. I was able to go over today. Houston Rockets or the, the Houston Astros? Uh, Houston Astros. <laughs> how, how much <laughs> was still it? in that basketball mobile I playoff. Hear, I hear. Baseball and the Civil Rights Movement roundtable discussion was held today at Union Station, uh, Minute Maid Park. Uh, I had a chance to get over there. Very good crowd. The lady said itself that it was the largest crowd that they had for um, the civil rights roundtable discussion. So that's kudos to uh, Houston for getting that done. It was moderated by Charles Ogletree, the professor of Harvard Law School, uh, Jesse Klimko, professor of law. You had Linda Alvarado. Uh, she's the first Latino or Latina, both male or female. Um, Linda was to own in terms of a Major League Baseball. She was the president and CEO of uh, the Denver-based team. Uh, you had Ernest Green. Very intriguing to hear his voice. He was one of the Little Rock Nine mm-hmm. graduates oh. in the 1958 class. He was there, so he brought some very good commentary. He followed Jackie Robinson, and he said that was one of his uh, impetus to decide to move along and take that stand in terms of integrating uh, Little Rock Central High School. You have Bob Kendrick. He is the president of the Negro Baseball, Negro League Baseball Museum, excuse me, MLBM. He's uh, been that since March of 2011. Uh-huh. And so it was really interesting to hear his voice on some things. You had Harold Reynolds. Uh, many people are familiar with him based on his time with ESPN, obviously now uh, with the MLB. Network as well as uh, Fox Premier Baseball coverage. 
legend right here, fan favorite for a lot of people, J.R. Richard. Uh, as obviously Astros 1969 amateur draft when he came out, uh, 300 strikeouts, 1979 National League ERA, uh, tremendous uh, pitcher during the height of his time. Obviously, uh, it was difficult when he had that emergency surgery to remove that life-threatening blood clot. It really uh, kind of took a toll on him for a while, but he's rebounded and come back just good here. And the last person that was part of the board, not at least. Not least of all was Bob Watson, an all-star player, 19-year uh, playing career, much of it with the Astros, obviously. And a man that worked GM, for him, George Steinbrenner. Yep, first African-American GM. The Astros then took over at the Yankees, worked on the Steinbrenner. Did bring a championship for the Yankees, um, so he has that on his resume. So um, very illustrious group there that took place. Again, great crowd. Tomorrow uh, you have uh, the Beacon Awards. Which is going to honor three individuals. One of them, unfortunately, rest in peace, Dr. Maya Angelou, would be my time to give her some respect uh, for all that she has done for America, in particularly African Americans, even more so in terms of uh, the pride that she would give African American women and women in general. So, uh, rest in peace. One of my poems that really stands out to me is uh, Still I Rise, without a doubt. Uh, which is so powerful uh, in my eyes. So just wanted to kind of um, take a moment uh, to make sure we acknowledge that also um, in terms of uh, what she um, provided in her art, art, poetry and artistic uh, manner. I will read the opening part of that just to give some context sure, to people Please that do. may not realize that just to kind of give a little honor, and we're connecting it with the uh, sports from uh, being a beacon of life that she would have been honored this week. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. I will skip to the end to give the final context, which is, I think, a similar part of this. Uh, but you can Google this up and read the whole thing, or you can Google up and even hear, hear her do it. But at the end, she says, leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise into a daybreak that wondrously clear, I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Rest in peace, Dr. Maya Angelou. Well stated, Doc. Well stated. And rest in peace as well. My condolences to uh, the family, friends and family. And I want to congratulate uh, Roland Martin, who in TV One, who's Roland, I follow him on Twitter as well, has done a tremendous job yeah. getting uh, comments, interviewing people, celebrities, and not celebrities, and getting quotes and, from people on Twitter as well for their thoughts and how Dr. Angelou uh, influenced them in their lives. So, I, I said it before on our podcast. There's no other place where we can discuss Sterling, the sale of the Clippers, and then have an even serious, more serious moment where we talk about an icon, a global icon, and her passing, Dr. Maiangelo. That's kind of hard to follow up talking about her. Yep. But uh, yep. I want to touch on a few things on the college level. 
I, I, I do thank y'all for giving me the chance. Well, Father Dawkins, I'll uh, um, get in Jim Brown will be accepted as a Deacon Award winner as well. And it's interesting, and I'm, I haven't said this, and I've thought about it a few times. Um, this allowed me a moment here. Uh, one of my high school buddies, after I posted an article about Dr. Angelo's passing, he sent me a message and described how he would go into the bookstores and he would gravitate toward her books and read them in the bookstore over and over again and how he touched her. He, and he described it reading her words as uh, a warm hug, receiving a warm hug from her as he's reading her words. Now let me describe to you this person. And he's one of my good friends on it for like that since high school. You see him, you would think, let me describe him as uh, Axl Rose type <laughs> with the long hair. He was in a band in high school. He's a uh, uh, cross country truck driver awesome. now. Well, I'm going to ask this okay. question. Is, is he more of a um, Alice Cooper type that, that is educated? He, yes. Oh, he's very educated. Well, I, won't, I won't get into some of the stuff. I'll tell, you, tell y'all off there. Off the air. Oh, yeah. One of the classic lines that he, he had that uttered out in, in high school that is, is great. But it, but it might say something about me as well in high school. I won't get about that. I'll say <laughs> off there. I love it. But yeah, he, so he sent me that message. And in his message, he thought of one of our friends, uh, Tanisha Jefferson. And Tanisha Jefferson, I think Wildcat met her once. Uh, I'm talking about one of the most important people in my life passed away last year yeah. of an aneurysm. Yeah. And um, July 31st to be exact. And uh, I thought about her when I heard about uh, Dr. Anthony's passing because at the funeral, one of my best friends, like, you know, we're so tight, uh, read from that poem. Because it described Tanisha as well, so it all it all fits. And and I I visualized I visualized uh, Tanisha sitting at uh, Dr. Angelo's lap, reading. Let's listen to her read or just discussing every, you know everything yeah. under the sun. That's how I visualized that. So it kind of calmed me down during a rough time in the office. So moment of digression there. Get back to sports. Yeah, one last of, person they want to pull out that is also doing the part of that beacon before we close out. Sure. Forward. There's also a Hall of Famer Barry Gordy in terms of uh, what he did with Motown. He's also receiving an award alongside alongside Jim Brown, uh, as well as the fact that Dr. Naya Angelou will be uh, giving her award to in terms of those representatives there for her. So I wanted to make sure that was on the table and that we uh, pay respect for those that uh, touched us in so many different ways. As you said, only on this podcast that we we had opportunities to share different sides of sports from so many different angles. I'm really proud to be able to be a part of that and do it. And I'm I'm glad you're with us. And uh, I still every almost every day I receive kudos to your addition to our to our podcast and what you bring oh, to man. to the podcast. Thank so it's you very appreciated. Oh yes. On a less serious note, let's talk. I'm going backward of the news that was released. Because today, hey, we, we all over the place today. Today, uh, the American Athletic Conference announced the women's basketball conference opponents, mm-hmm. and U of H is a conference, you know, a conference member, right? And it's eleven teams in the conference this year, with Louisville and Rutgers going their separate ways, going to the ACC, and Rutgers going to the Big Ten. 
and three new teams join it. And women's basketball-wise, they ain't Louisville and they ain't Rutgers. And, and out of the three, who will accept second place? It's, does it matter? And now they, okay, they, 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 we, we can discuss that too. Let's let's get yeah, into that. But I got I received some bad news. I'm, I I took it personally because it's ironic. Last week when we were discussing um, Katie Lou Samuelson, the top ranked player in class fifteen, class fifteen committing to UConn, and some of my buddies in Connecticut tweeted to me, and I said, "Hey, I look forward to UConn coming to Hawkeye." Even if they win by 50. I look forward to them this far. Well, they ain't coming to Hawkeyes in 2014, 2015. Because of the odd number of teams in the conference, 11 teams, there will be an unbalanced schedule, basically. Um, each conference team will play 10 teams, but they will play eight teams twice. And then the remaining two teams, they'll play them one each. And unfortunately, U of H will go to stores, will go to Connecticut to get beat down, rather than Connecticut coming here to beat down the Cougars. So basically, so, we're not going to witness this so we're not witness, Yeah, we will not witness greatness in person this year when Gino Oriema and Brianna Stewart and KML, et cetera, et cetera, coming to Hawkins and probably having the, the largest crowd of a 1,000 or 1,800 people to see them in person. So that's kind of disappointing. And USF will be the one team, the odd other team that comes here to play offense. Every other team, every other opponent will come here to play twice. And let's just inform the listeners, in case they do not know, the members of the American now, or this is any, whatever, women's basketball. Anyway, Cincinnati, East Carolina, Memphis, SMU, Tulane, UCF, as in Central Florida, Temple, and Tulsa are the team the Cougars will play twice one at home, one on the road. Then you add USF here to Hawkins and the Cougars go to UConn. So that is the makeup of the American women's basketball in basketball, you know, conference wise period. Women's basketball that is very weak. We have talked about who's gonna assume second place in the conference. Everybody expects it to be uh hopes it to be uh Gina Oriema, one of his former coaches, one of you know, at uh, Cincinnati now and Temple, because they should be there, they've been there four or five years, five or six years, to establish a program and rise up the ladder. Not get to UConn's level, but rise up to be good. Both teams struggled last season, so I'm yeah. not sure how much they're going to improve. They say I do seven. So we'll see. Now keep in mind, Rutgers won the WNIT. Louisville went very far in the tournament. They're, they're gone. USF did not reach the tournament. They uh, I think played and got to the semifinals or the, or the finals of the WNFT as well as Rutgers. So USF right now on paper seems to be the second best team in the American Athletic Conference. The Cougars and the new head coach Ronald Huey have uh, had the work cut off for them. But as we discussed on the last podcast, aiming to be the second best team in the American should be everybody's goal. But I would love to hear, get, them and get your thoughts on this, fellas. I would love to hear a coach say to his, say on the record, my goal, my goal, and we have a problem with this, if a coach says it, my goal is to be better than UConn. That is my goal. Because they fear saying that. I want to hear a coach say this seriously because, and I mean in conference specifically, in conference because if a coach says that, my goal is to be, and you know, 
and you have to add to it. My goal is to be the better of UConn. I know we have work to do. Clearly, we are far from being at that elite level, but that is my goal. That's the ultimate goal, to be better than UConn in this conference, because clearly, if I'm better than UConn in this conference, I'm the best team in the country. I don't either. Two things are going to happen. One is, you know, we see those guys in the, in the, in the cattle call all the time. Really? That's why you think you're gone. <laughs> and they walk, what, 15, 10 feet? Yo, I got a question. And they, you know, somebody's going to ask Gino from Blank, said, really? That's what they're thinking. Okay. Well, he would relish, he would relish you know, the challenge. The challenge, you know, well then, you know, and, we, we play on Sunday. Sunday yeah, and, and honestly, we, can, we, we can, he, we'll find out. He is looking uh, for that, looking for he, and hoping that those teams raise the level of expectations, raise the level of talent, raise the level of coaching, raise the level of support from the administration, fan base, etc. Because if the other teams in the conference continue to suck, then it hurts the overall appearance of the American Athletic Conference, and UConn just becomes like the old days of La Tech, and they're just running through right. folks, Old Dominion way before that. And it took Rice and Christy Curry and those that crew, that crew. Janetta Hayes, now Janetta Hayes, Perry TSU head coach, and, uh, and that Eli, group, Eli, and, Eli and, and Kim Lawson and all those young ladies to raise, set that game up, and beat La Tech. On uh, a midweek game. Consistently there for a while. Because <laughs> I would never forget. I was coming, I don't know where I was coming from. Work, I don't know. And it was a Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. I go to Autry Court. I get there kind of late. And maybe it's late, a first, late first half. It's a crowd. And I peek through the door and see the score. And I was, and Rice was ahead. I think it was, they were ahead or they were very close. And because we talked about this beforehand, before the game, right? Yeah, we expect Rice to just roll. Well, you know, now that doc, that I get this now. Now, this being honest, we weren't depending on getting out early like we normally do and get find us a seat now, because it was Rice and La Tech in the middle of the week conference game. It was like, oh, okay, let's see what this is gonna be. And this is right after they had gone to the final four the year before. Am I right? I don't know. If, no, not not that far back. It's been a while. They were still good. No. They were not that good. I don't think so. It could have been a year in between that. We, we, I, we can research and find right. out. But it's been a while before a lot of tech women have been to the Final Four. But I'm going to tell but you. the score was close, and I, 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 I was shocked. I did a double take. And, and then when they won, I was like, <laughs> Stickney was sitting at the table with his cowboy hat on. He was there by himself there when I got there. <clears throat> Other than the folks that came in from Shreveport and Ruston. And I was like, what is going to happen? Stick said, well, what do you think? <laughs> this is Rice and Lottech. It's not going to be a game for long. And, and they hung goodness. around, hung around, and they won. And it, I mean, it was just unreal. It, it changed the outlook of that group. It was like, okay, we can actually play when we want to. We got to start paying attention now. Yeah, right and, around. And after that, looking at the numbers, Lottech has been the final four since. Ninety ninety nine. Okay. Uh, Rice beat them around oh four oh five around there, you know, because one year Rice, I think tied Latech in two thousand four two thousand five season. Latech lost four times in conference, so 
I know for sure one of the laws is what the rights had to be a rights. Now, don't get me wrong, Rice went on the road and got mashed. Yeah. I think Litech was upset. But still, that's what it, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. For teams in the American to beat UConn. You have to challenge them. You got to challenge them. And folks would think you're crazy right now to say, say those kind of words. But that's, that's the bar. That's what you, that's what you should want to be is at that elite level. And if, if that's not where you want to be, then why are you in coaching? That's true. On the men's side, yesterday, the American also announced uh, their schedule for the fellas. And I'm happy to say that the defending champions on the men's side, Connecticut Huskies, are coming to Hall Finals Pavilion. Thank goodness. And they probably, they probably was put on the schedule by their request. It wouldn't shock me because the Cougars beat them this past season on New Year's Eve. So it would not shock me if Coach Ali said, uh, yeah, we want to come back to Houston because we got something <laughs> for them. So I don't know that, but, you know, for, for a fact, but it would not surprise me if, if he put in a little request. It's a heck of a, a, heck of a matchup. We want to come back to Houston and go against Kelvin Sampson. We got something for them this year. So, yeah. and the schedule and will be announced, you know, officially later on. Oh, yeah. We didn't get any people in the arena then, but we have made problems. New coach. New oh, brand. yeah. Team coming off of a national championship. Oh, man. So uh, on the men's side, but the fans right here are strange. I'll very strange. That. I hope the I'll, game I'll won't, won't be on uh, at New Year's Eve. And I'm guessing that uh, it, it'll be on ESPN because all the conference games will be on ESPN. I'll left again. Hopefully, it won't be on ESPN News. It'll be on ESPN and ESPN Two. So uh, and I hope that U of H basketball under Coach Sampson will will be ready to rock and roll and get things done and, and reach the NCAA tournament. Because, you know, the team got to work on the inside. They got to replace Louisville as well on that side. You got to fill, oh. that, fill that void there. That, that's going to be a heck of a void, man. So we'll, we'll that's going to be a real heck of a void. SMU is, is right now the best team in Texas in the conference. Uh, so we've got to see the Cougars that work to do to, to be on that level. Cougars win in the conference tournament, probably bumped SMU out of the NCAA tournament. Right. So that rivalry should be real hot and heavy when they play twice uh, this season, regular season, during the conference play. So I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, and I want to touch on this. I don't see it in the crew release here unless I'm missing it. But the American, and the website of the conference is theamerican.org, touched on during the Tuesday, Wednesday's release about the conference opponents. They listed some of the non-conference opponents that uh, the conference members are scheduled to play on the 14-15 season. And let me read some of these opponents to you gentlemen. <clears throat> From the press release, member schools are putting together strong non-conference schedules with games scheduled against 23 opponents that played in last year's NCAA tournament, including Duke, really? Michigan, North Carolina, Florida twice, Kansas, Gonzaga twice, Nebraska, NC State twice, Wichita State twice, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, St. Joseph, San Diego State, Stanford, Texas, Villanova, VCU, Creighton, and Xavier. I hope and pray that the Cougars are playing Texas. I know it's not going to. Even better. I hope the Cougars are playing some of these folks, at least two of these folks, I hope, because if everybody else is playing them and they're not, I'll be pissed off. I agree with you, but it's not Texas. 
But even with the some and of the other why folks, not, you being right put them on the schedule and ain't so afraid to go back and forth. They don't. That ain't. But I don't think it's Houston's that uh, is backing off the. They, 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 as long, long as Houston don't want to come here, yeah, no, they don't want to come here. here. They don't want to come here. They don't. They don't. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a, a attitude thing. They don't. They don't. They came here. They don't have to. They have rights. Yeah, there's a long one. Yeah, yeah. They came here two years ago. Go to rice. CBI the tournament and lost. Play here. They don't have to. They came here CBI and lost. You know, they don't have to come here. They might want to come up there to the Irwin Center, but they're not going to come to Hawkins just just because. Oh heck no! Unless it's part of a a tournament over at Toyota Center or something like that. You know, or Reliance Stadium. But yeah, they. They have, I mean, to be fair from them in a position of strength. They're the Longhorns. Yeah, they have no reason to make them. Like the U of H, y'all just a little speck of dust. UT, who are you? You know what? That's what they were Back in the day, I probably would say that with uh, the administration people, that the the sports administrators that that were were in charge, now I wouldn't say so much. I totally disagree because if you just heard uh, uh, what the current athletic director of uh, Texas, he's even going in op- opposite direction. His whole thing now is international. He's looking at international opportunities. Yeah. He wants to brand the Longhorns international. They have that partnership where they're doing a barnstorming tour. I think it's with uh, three other major brands, Michigan State, North Carolina, and Florida, I think it is, where they're going to play in like New York. Chicago, oh, yeah. Dallas or Houston, mm-hmm. and L.A. They wanted to play in the largest market. They're looking at uh, going overseas and playing in international yeah, markets. Let me get that. I got to get that real uh, Very quick. intriguing about that. And yeah, what was interesting to me, I thought that was a great idea, but I was like, oh, this is something new. And he, uh, the athletic director was saying that uh, they're actually behind on this. That UCLA is well-branded mm-hmm. in terms of an international institution. So, I just thought that was fascinating to hear that uh, that these institutions are looking at branding themselves on an international stage, as we just talked about the international soccer, but just sports across the board, which gives me more credence the frustration I have with the NCA. Uh, they're taking old more water with more uh, lawsuits. They just added another lawsuit. Uh, they they're moving forward with the Ed O'Bannon case, so this thing is going to get quite intriguing in terms of where some of these lawsuits are heading. Additional concern that's on the table is the concussion issue, and this is an issue that's significant, in my opinion, to football at all levels. Obviously, the NFL is strong enough to be able to cover it in terms of financial issues they have to protect themselves. But there's already been studies that are suggesting that football at the youth level has declined. You have some programs in the country that are deciding to play flag football at the junior high level. And that was actually a program in the state of Texas. Um, The cost that is going in with concussions from the interest. Obviously, you had the White House initiative with uh, Barack Obama looking at um, concussion issues for youth leagues and colleges in his statement. And so you even have programs like the SEC that are really looking closer at this and possible um, agreements with the NCA in terms of a concussion agreement uh, instead of this going further from a lawsuit standpoint. 
So it's going to be interesting. The final thing I'll put on there is you have the White House initiative that I talked about, which was a $30 million research effort by the NCAA and the Defense Department to create a concussion database of college athletes. Um, because uh, while you have the union at the professional level, uh, other than what took place at Northwestern, you don't have that at the college level. And so, um, that's something else that we need to keep our eye on with oh, college yeah. sports. What I see is the exploitation of college uh, people. It's not a favorite thing that people want to hear about. But I see athletes as employees, and I think they should be able to not have their earnings restricted based on a concentrated component of uh, scholarships. That in, it looks like will even include a stipend, but I just don't see that as enough. So I think I'd like to see uh, the market open up for these athletes and, and let it go forward. Speaking of that, uh, how does, didn't, didn't uh, the uh, commission in the Pac-12 uh, make some, had some issues and all uh, with the big five of all came together and said that they're ready to do stipends. They want autonomy, but they are unequivocally uh, to the point that they do not want to see in any framework that athletes uh, look at as employees and where they would be paid. All five of the big five are pretty much in agreement that that's not going to take place. There will be some type of stipend if they get the autonomy vote moving forward. Uh, this summer, once it is voted on and taking place, and they feel like they're pretty sure that this will go. I, it was interesting last week. You did have the Bozy State president came out and said that he's gonna fight it in a scathing letter. He, he, yeah, you gotta, you gotta yeah. see that letter for those that uh, want to see a president going against. Even though he's hypocrite, though. Yeah, because he stated he, when he was. I totally agree. When they were about, when they joined the Big East. They did, you know, were going to join the Big East for in football. Made an effort for the money. Let's just say they made the re- an effort. Well, the no, re- they were joined. They were going to join. The East disseminated and mm-hmm. was decimated, in my opinion. And then he decided to backtrack, crawl back to the Mountain West. Because the, he realized the only reason he was going to join the Big East because Big East still had the, you know, the uh, BCS. But when this new arrangement came out, then they were no longer a part of that. And you consolidated those six conferences to now five, as I talk about it in business terms. Sure. Because that's what took place. <laughs> those acquisitions of other and his institutions name. to the Big Ten and the ACC. His, his uh, name is uh, the SEC did. President Bob Kustra, K-U-S-T-R-A, where he blasted the NCAA uh, reform going, you know, basically the autonomy with the power companies are, are working towards. He said, uh, and many fans will probably agree with this, I don't, but he said that the athletes get enough. Our job is not to, uh, yeah, employment station for the athletes. And a couple but things. you show going after them when they get done, get them dollars in their hand and want them to donate back to the school. <laughs> Am I wrong, Doc? A couple of things. No, no, a couple of things you got to touch on. I forgot about this, um, and I'm leaning on Wildcat to have some knowledge about this, but <clears throat> Texas Longhorns basketball is going to play China. It's going to play in China against Washington 
of the Pac-12 in November of 2015. So it's not this coming season, but it'll be next season when they're going to play it in China in a uh, non-conference game. And uh, AD Steve Patterson has already already discussed playing some sports in Dubai. So as Doc touched on earlier, he wants Longhorns to go global. Thus, a reason for it. they ain't come to Hawthorne just because. So, so yeah, they may have to play the Cougars in Dubai. Be the only way the Cougars may play the Longhorns <laughs> be in Dubai. Like that. That's you right. know, yeah. something like yeah, that. Right. But Wildcat, Wildcat, they can go to Cutter and play. They could. Well, you could do that too. That's that might be on the they list too. Able to get up here. That'll yeah, be on the list. He'll add it. They, they got two, they got money over there. They got money. As we touched on last podcast, uh, we didn't. We would be. We said we'd be surprised if U of H baseball would. And Rice would both host uh, regional pods. We were I, correct. Rice is hosting, and the Cougars are number two seed in Baton Rouge. LSU is number one seed in, in that region. College baseball has is it started? No, or it starts tomorrow. tomorrow. All right. They, uh, the uh, women's college softball World Series is underway. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Today wasn't a good day for for a couple of folks. Don't worry about that. We surprised there, but we'll talk, talk talk baseball, Doc. Talk talk and Wildcat. Give me your thoughts on the Cougs and they're playing Bryant out of the Northeast Conference. I didn't know who that was. I do some research about them. Yeah, I, that's this their second year in a row being in the NCAA. And usually teams are not familiar when people, when they're not on the on the regular run and all getting to the uh, College World Series, getting that you know winning. And getting a shot, two things happen. One, they get timely hitting and conference play, and st- and get some things done. But their pitching system apart, and non-conference play when they go on the road and play teams like Rice, Stanford, uh, Cal State, Fullerton, one of the bigger names and all in and in, in, uh, uh, that's that's in the top twenty-five on a on a year in and year out basis, and they. And it's a midweek game, and they get a win. Uh, the game is close, and they compete. They get some hits and all, and they don't make a lot of errors. You, Doc, you 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 know for a fact, errors can kill you in a game. The Ooh, other night, when that's, that's the college level. When when Rice won the uh, won that last game the other night, they had six errors in the game. I didn't even know who that was. Yeah, errors in the college game, uh, what coaches will tell you, lead to cricket numbers. Oh. Any time cricket numbers are put on the scoreboard. Uh, you usually in trouble, and that gives you a little uh, question I have in terms of this game: is who will U of H pitch? And when I say that, will they go with their traditional second day pitcher, or will they go with the ace? Oftentimes, what you see coaches like to do if they're playing a team that they believe they should be able to out hit and put runs on the board, oftentimes they might try to go with their second. A pitcher because they would like to believe they can win a game, which means they'll come up and be able to throw their ace for the second game. Now that's a risky move. Yep. But you and I have seen it both. Seen it happen. And so what you tend to get oftentimes when you get those kind of upsets in those games, if you said you get a timely hitting, the team plays really sound in terms of not giving up errors, but oftentimes they may be going up against the second or third pitcher. Uh, and obviously, as the game, if you can keep it close, uh, the later it goes, the more stress uh, you put on the team that is supposed to be the prohibited favorite. So that's what I'm interested to see, who will Houston actually pitch that first game. Uh, will they go with their ace and kind of stick to the traditional format? 
or will they try to sneak out of that game with a victory of going with their second or third starter? You know, because you know Brian is going to pitch the eight. Oh yeah, they they have to. They pretty much have to. Uh, the bracket will for the Houston regional will Rice, Texas A and M, Texas, and uh, AT, uh, George Mason. It's going to be interesting. It's, it's not an easy run. Uh, basically because A&M in Texas, they played the, uh, the uh, first game and Rice and Josh Mason is the second game on Friday. Rice is, they'll go with their Friday pitches and run their weekend rotation. But the one difference that they will have working in our favor, like Coach, uh, Coach Graham always mentioned, school is out. The guys don't have to worry about going to class every day. They mind it just on baseball. And when that happens, you get a better group of guys. They're more relaxed on the weekend. They don't have to worry about those reports and all that I do on Monday. They don't have to worry about that test that they just took on Friday. Or was over the, the string them out over the weekend, you know, whether they passed or not. It's going to be interesting. One thing for sure, place will be packed. It'll be packed. It'll be, it's a fan. It's some George Mason fans here in town. I find it out during the, uh, uh, a couple of years back when they made the run to the final four. It's, it's, oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's, they, it's some they folks. Pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Now the LSU, uh, bracket, that is different. The Baton Rouge Regional, sir. Folks. LSU, I'm gonna tell you, that's seed, a Houston number two seed, Bryant number three, and then South. That's East a hard number four seed right there. That's, that's a hard bracket. It may look easy, but it's a hard. Why it looks easy? Hell, LSU is because you got them one of the last there, they, eight games they, in a row. I scored their opponents eighty-seven to eight during the winning streak. They got a top five pick, projected pick, Aaron Nola as their ace. The Cougars would have to probably face the. To win advance to the uh, Super Regional, which is paired against Houston Regional, which could be the Cougars if they are fortunate to win the Baton Rouge Regional going against Rice. Well, I know uh, a lot of Cougars fans would love to beat. Uh, uh, know what? Uh, let's see now here. I'm letting you know that. that yeah. Oh, yeah, they're paired they, against. Yeah, they, they, they paired against. I know that's, that. That was discussed Monday. Oh, man, I know for a fact who that parent is. That's going to be Bad Rouge against Houston. I know that. Oh, ain't no Sweet. question. Cougar's been talking about that for a Rouge, couple of days I, now. I'd love to see it happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be hard. Very Tell difficult you what, to it, get it out of that could, region. Now. It so, could. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It could. But one thing I know the Cougars sometimes, in addition to, in a game that they did lose this season, their hitting failed them, but also their defense let them down. There were some games oh. they just bobbled the ball. Mm-hmm. Errors left and right. So, you guys are correct. You know, college defense errors, mental mistakes, whatever it, it and, comes back. And a lot of times, it's more of the mental error than anything. Because I've seen games where they guys just one just one playing at time. You know, they would just they look up, nobody's on the base, and all the catch to get the second out. Yeah, ball would go to the fence. They turn around and look, and then. Somebody would be at the second baseman at a yeah, shortstop would be in the way you can't make that, that throw. It's definitely mistakes yeah. you do not see in the major leagues. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and, you, and you understand why you're looking. Yeah. And you got to be knowledgeable enough to understand that those guys are working at their craft. Because when you get to the show, as they say, it's totally different. You just go and if you fall asleep, that's only because the game is, is in the picture. But I, I, I would say that uh, – Working with Chris, it gives it has given me a great appreciation appreciation for you know 
even basketball, the difference between the college game and the professional game. When you look at the shooting level uh, of those professional players, but this is again where you see the difference clearly, and you can start to see why only one percent of the nation uh, actually <laughs> to play at the top of their craft. You know, it's just amazing when you really look at it, and I think we see it so often now because the proliferation of television that we don't necessarily realize how talented professional athletes are at their craft. Now, real quick, let me say this. Uh, Rice baseball game against George Mason, Friday at 7. U of A's game against Bryant, also Friday at 7. I'm not going to plug them because, you know, if you want to know where the, you can have watch party at, go to the website for the schools. They're not paying us money, so I'm getting, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> I agree. But uh, the games are available, I will say this, online at ESPN. Right. Yeah. So Three. there's a Texas, Texas A&M matchup? Oh, yes. yes. It, it, it's, it's one and four. And two and three. You got to throw that out there. I know. That. I, it, oh yeah, like I said, it was mentioned. Oh yeah, we mentioned. It, it, okay, it's, it's done. It's, <laughs> okay. it's going to be a packed house because of the fact that the last regime. That's why I mentioned about the last. It's going to be some smack talk. That's going to be. going to be a it's fight. Gonna be some stand, <laughs> it's going to be ugly. Fight a stand. You know, gonna be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Uh, hopefully, you it, 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 I, 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 oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, it, it, I will admit. If I would, if I'm paying for a game to go watch this weekend, that, that would be it. Yeah, it. It'd be it. Because at the end of the day, the Sea Augie. Well, it's going to be more than just the game. Oh, yeah. Because of, this is really the first time oh, yeah. the since two the, teams since, have played since, since, since the conference since, split, right? Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. In yeah. any sport. In any sport. Right. That's why it'll be packed. That's why it'll be packed. Well, you know, the NCAA was uh, rubbing their hands together when you know, they were like, They've been trying to put we, that together. Oh, yeah. Because uh, how, how the we last time it was going to happen was for the Cotton Bowl. Right. And Texas recused themselves of playing in it from a right. conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They moved down. It's going to be uh, going to be some smackdown this weekend. Come out and watch. You know, the maroon and white and the, and the orange and born orange and white. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of SEC. <laughs> Texas A&M flags until they gonna want to try to run that SEC and they face so. And I'm gonna tell you, because they gonna want to show that they proud. Oh yeah, and folks, that's gonna be more funny than anything to me. Dying of SEC flags with the A&M flags. It's tailgating. It's different watching the SEC team against everybody else. And I'm gonna tell you, it's totally on another level. No, there's no doubt. It's on another level. I mean. I respect what the SEC does in terms of their finances. I don't necessarily it's, like it's, nothing it's, what the Big Five does. But I, I will say this. This is the first year I've seen Cause, where... Because I think they're all part of kleptocracy. Yeah. Uh, where there's been a balance of wins across this bracket. Other than Louisiana Lafayette, who stands out, 53-7. Uh, and seven. Yeah. Uh, everybody else is in the 40s and how, in the 30s. How is Lafayette doing this? You know, the softball team made it to yeah, now, now, the softball team, that's men, totally different. Men, I, they've I, been I, there I, a couple I, of times. And yeah. they've always and had And the pitch. baseball team has been pretty solid over the years. And but they, they had, had a, they, this is the first, some, they had a drop off and had a drought now here for a right, while. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. historically for a program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't see that from what is termed as a mid-major program. And I'm just curious how they've been able to uh, put that program together. And so I give them some credit about that. It's interesting. And they are hosting Jackson State, uh, Mississippi State, uh, is that, is that first opponent. And uh, then the 2-3 matchup is San Diego State, number three seed, and Mississippi State, number two seed. It's going to be interesting. 
Jackson State uh, from out of SWAC, one of the few uh, HBCU teams that's uh, has a winning record going into this this post, and, I'm, right. and that's just being honest. No, you know, because team, this is one thing about baseball, everybody will play everybody. Well, this is the first year that I know uh, reviewed from the conference schedule where um, both, well, the MIAC has done it quite a bit. Lately, right, But yeah. this is the first time that I've seen in at least the last 10 years where most of the teams in the SWAC play in their midweek games. They play Division One opponents instead of NAIA right. programs. And there are two things that took place. You had, they played competitive games, as you talked about earlier in those games. Uh, but they would only play one, and oftentimes they would lose it. Uh, in the past, they would play in the ice games, and they would play maybe two. And oftentimes they would win them. Right. So you got the inflation on the record. So they're no longer there. So I did see a huge difference in terms of the overall record of HBCU programs, which is one reason I didn't do the weekly poll. It just wasn't enough teams to assimilate a, a, a decent even top five over there. Let's, 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 let's wrap it up here. Yeah. Right. Let's wrap it up. And, they, uh, and, and the last bracket I want to talk about is uh, TCU and Fort Worth bracket, only because it's TCU the number one seed playing Siena. Dallas Baptist. And then Dallas Baptist and Sam Houston State. That's going to be an interesting That's matchup. That's an interesting matchup. Tough bracket. People won't recognize Dallas Baptist or Sam Houston State. Oh, but as that's a, gonna be a fight. As a um, that's gonna be a tough matchup pitching wise. I mean, most people would perceive as a low major program if you were doing categorization with right. Sam Houston State. And obviously, respectfully for them, they would not consider themselves. They would like to see themselves in a mid major program. They're very talented, and they have an ace they could probably throw with anybody pretty much in the country. It's gonna be interesting to see what they're able to do. Uh, they can hit. And then Dallas Baptist is a team that people may have forgot just a year or two ago. Right. They made it to uh, a couple of outs away from making it to uh, college, college World series. series. And when they made that the team, Rice hosted the reason of that year, particular year, only because of the fact that Dallas Baptist didn't have a place, That's a right. place to host. And the winner had to go all the way to the West Coast in all the play. And yep. they became famous because one great McLean said, that's not happening anymore. We're going to put a stadium on y'all campus. Now, they, 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 they can pretty much recruit and play with just about anybody in the country because they are able to get those kids and you know, all out of the Dallas Fort Worth area. Plus, you know, what else is out of East Texas and or Oklahoma? The interesting part about them is their division one baseball. Oh. And there is a rule that allows you to have to have at least one Division One sport uh, and still play at the Division One level. Usually, you see it with hockey more than anything. Right. All right. Uh, this is this is fun. I really enjoy this. Wrap it up. Going to go international here. Uh, NBA announced a couple of international games, but locally, the Rockets will play. Will go to Mexico City in the fall to play at Minnesota Timberwolves. Good one. Uh, you rolling? A year after. Hell no. I'm not going down there. Uh-uh. Not, 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 not gonna, no. I'm not going to say it. I'd like to. If I could, I'd like to, but I don't think I'll be able to. I won't get into the reasons why. Doc, I watched the way he just rambled on about that and thought about it and thought yeah, about you, it. Right? You, Wildcat knows. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything else. For, yeah, you know you know why. We discussed it earlier today. Um, okay. But, 
that's unfortunately part, for the country of Mexico. Oh, that's not why. No, I'm, I'm just saying, not not from your friend. I'm just talking about that as you see this explosion of even all the way down to now, college programs want to become more international branded. Uh, Mexico has such a negative. Oh yeah. Connotation toward the with the policing, but it has so many people, and many of them uh, do have financial wealth to some degree. Obviously, it has a huge amount of uh, people that are socially and economically depressed in in that environment, which is unfortunate for any country that has to deal with it. But my argument I'm making is is that people love to get in that market uh, because you want to create. That financial, oh yes, uh, ability not just in Mexico but all the Mexican fans that are in the United States. So you've seen the Cowboys get down there. Obviously, you had the game last year with San Antonio, Minnesota, because of the smoke wasn't able to be played. But people want to brand that area so bad. And if it was clean, it would be it wouldn't be a question in my mind that the NBA would be in Mexico City uh, in a minute if if they could deal with. Not have to deal with all the uh, negative uh, criminal element that uh, seems to be yeah you know files over with the you know the drugs. Speaking of that, uh, which, is, that which is unfortunate. Speaking of that, that's starting to, that part of the World Cup information is starting to to come into conversation and all now, uh, only because um, New York stepped out of the uh, Olympics bid, and folks were. It's been banded around, you know, why would you bid on the, uh, on the World Cup and why would you bid on the Olympics? The one thing about the World Cup, everything is, it's, it's a country type situation, but those venues are still usable when they're, when it's done and over and gone and, and, and they've left. Yeah, the one thing that's, that's unique about the United States is, is the fact that unlike many other places, we have the the internal mechanism that creates upgrades of our stadiums in terms of owners, to some people's opinion, kind of fleecing different cities. But from the context <laughs> we're talking about here, is you already have significant and very nice stadiums. So unlike places like Brazil, or where they had to build several new stadiums, or uh, obviously when in Spain and, and London, where they had to build a couple of extra stadiums. You don't have that part of it. So the financial need to upgrade facilities is not as dire uh, in the United States than it is outside of it. So there's a luxury that the U.S. has, whether they're building for the World Cup or the thing. The only thing that that is stopping the U.S., in my opinion, is getting the Olympics or the World Cup is the fact right now you see from an international stage is that both organizations want to make sure that they spread uh, the international acclaim, which is the same thing I was just talking about. The NBA, the NFL, as well as Major League Baseball want to stretch out and get in the international market. It's the same thing with the World Cup that are already international brands, but they want to make sure that they spread themselves all over globally uh, to further exacerbate Thank you very much for saying globally, Doc. <clears throat> it ties me into my last thing I want to mention. Earlier this week, or was it uh, or late last week, an announcement 
the the Bahamas HBCUX Classic. That is huge. The inaugural HBCUX Classic will feature Central State and Texas Southern University in a football game in the Bahamas. Nassau, Bahamas. Doc, you going? Yeah, you know. I'm you, you hear that? You hear that? Doc, September 13, 2014. Doc, I'm going to answer this question here because I know that person is going to be listening and you have to answer that person. You're not going by yourself, like. No, I got. I, I had. I was. Because you know, you know she's gonna it, ask. No, I mean, no, I, I put it on the table. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. But uh, we usually have our own trips. But in this case, uh, because of what's going around the house. I've been given permission to be able to go by myself. All right. Uh, I'll go and take care of business going back. But definitely, that was going to be a trip for both of us. But uh, because of other situations, work-related more than anything. Yeah. He said, take care of your business. And just real quick, it's going to be played in a refurbished 15,000-seat multi-purpose, multi-purpose stadium in Nassau. Um, it's a joint effort between uh, Texas Southern, Central State, and uh, Nassau Tourism, the HBCU X, which X is, Network, which is a online television network. Which I did not know about until I read specially, so that's good to know. It came online about two weeks before Friday, and they're really using this as a branding opportunity, which is brilliant in their part. This guy, Curtis Simon, as people may not uh, realize, was a VP. Uh, of BET during mm-hmm. his days of success. So he does have some background, obviously, in television and success in terms of building the program. There's a three-year commitment um, with him, not necessarily Texas Southern or Central State, but bringing the classes down there. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, I think it would be important to Texas Southern, depending you know, what the financials are, and you always have to look at all that, to look at seriously you know, even going back because I think the recruiting component of it is significant. Uh, obviously, the international brand awareness, getting students associated, it's a different way for HBCUs uh, to to try to create a different branding mechanism uh, with what you see, as we talked earlier, with the Big Five and all the other Division One programs that you're trying to compete against. Uh, this is it's significant, in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see how this moves forward. And I'll just real quick get some information on this and wrap it up. Tickets to the game start at $25. Bucks. Uh, HBCUX Network will be offering packages starting around $375 for two-night hotel stay at the Atlantis Resort. Transfers, game tickets, and a one-month subscription to the network. And the Atlantis Resort is also the host of uh NCAA college basketball tournament, which I'd like to go to Wildcat. <clears throat> hint, hint, one day. Really? Get some top-notch really? teams in that in that uh, oh, tournament. Oh, uh, they they bring the best. So some top-notch. See, Duke I know has been in there. So uh, it's a big it'd deal. It's fascinating to watch that game because they play it in Atlanta. They play it in oh. a ballroom. Ah, yeah. It, it's a, oh, yeah. Do some research, listeners, because it it is a sweet setup. How they have that have that have that basketball tournament. Count me in on that one. So we need to do some nah, research on that. We're not going to leave you. So, yeah. We're not going to uh, leave you hanging. It's a group now. One more time, uh, listeners, we're still looking for our sponsors for the podcast. But, gentlemen, how can folks get in touch with you on the Internet? 
Or yes, web. Uh, you can uh, email me directly at takeville at thd-agency.com. Uh, obviously, you can follow me uh, during the basketball season on the HRR, the Houston Round Ball Review.com. Uh, the Houston Round Ball Review. Uh, during football season, you can get me at the college sporting news.com uh, with weekly updates in terms of polling and article. Obviously, follow me on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, as well as Instagram, that's Dr. Kenyatta Caville, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, with the little T's. I put out there, South Carolina president says, if reform fails, next step, give up amateurism. So, they're really pushing for this reform autonomy. I think it's the worst thing that the other division wants to, to let them do. If they want to give up amateurism, which we know they don't, let them do it. Uh, I would vote against it if I was the other league. I don't think they'll be able to do it. But I'll leave a little tease with that. You can talk about some more of that next week. I am the Phil Ward Wildcat. You can find me online at on Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, Blogger, YouTube, at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. And on Twitter, I am JL Woodley1. You finished? Yeah. Alrighty, and I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. I just put on Twitter at uh, my account, which is T H E H R Review, the H R Review podcast almost done. Be ready to listen. So look forward to that. I'll post that, produce it, and have the links posted for everybody to listen on SoundCloud.com. Shout out to everybody who listens on SoundCloud.com, iTunes as well, and the direct MP3 link, which are posted on HoustonRoundBarView.com website. We're out there listening. We need your help to spread the word, and we do thank you tremendously for all the uh, positive feedback you've given, even the negative feedback that we've received based on uh, earlier listeners. We've, I think we've improved upon those. We've met those, answered those challenges. We're trying to always improve ourselves. Each and every podcast. This podcast touched on a whole bunch of different topics as really only we do, three of us do. Uh, tell your friends about it. Had once again great numbers from, uh, last week's podcast. People in Connecticut, uh, listen. I think, I tell you, that's going to be a way for us to, to grow even bigger and keep talking about the Huskies. Yeah, well, that's true now. So, uh, women we, and men. We do have connected, you know, this so can, PBS. So we can do that. So, um, and that's true as well. Thank you very much as always, fellas, for your insight, your knowledge, and your time. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>